Today is July 3rd, 2022. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki, Nagana go, Meko Che, Chestakom Aki, Dekots, Nako Tine, Siku. Hello, my name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. I'm speaking to you on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S. Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Ganai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nations of the Stony Nation, and the Dene from Tsuchina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. It's important to understand that the straight agenda, gendered violence, was and is forced on this lands by Canadian or uh, Christian outsiders that now identify as Canadian. Land acknowledgements are for critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as a guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner in a so-called time of reconciliation. It's important land acknowledgements have meaning. I encourage all to introduce themselves with their acknowledgement of their ancestors, stories of displacement, and how you perceive your role. Is it a treaty partner, a citizen of Canada, a refugee, or other land displacement? So we as Indigenous people know how safe you are to be around. If you don't know how to pronounce your local Indigenous nation's name, won't say your pronouns, won't say your story of origin, won't acknowledge stolen lands, or imposed economic oppression or your role in reconciliation, I determine how safe you are to be around my community, myself and my family. Understanding land acknowledgements and their importance is Indigenous 101 because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties and lies taught today in Canadian schools nationally. That's why settlers and those who call themselves native Calgarians Show me you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. My lineage roots me in the land of the Great Bear Lake tribe in Treaty 11. My people wore rabbit skin, so we've been referred to as the land of the hair people. As a native to Turtle Island and my Dene Nation is a visitor to this area of Kinchotine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning many big dog town, named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary or on Blackfoot Mokinstis, as Michelle Elliott, an English name that has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, uh, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellowknives Dene. Through my father, I'm a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having a Canadian Indian Act imposed status card, which is a colonial construct by Canadian policies meant to divide Indigenous peoples' inherent rights. Indigenous Two-Spirit or the Indigenous Two-S-LGBTQ plus community and Indigenous women are on the bottom of the Canadian socio-economic ladder because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gender violence, and land theft. As a Dene woman who has attempted to run for after joining harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at expensive conventions, left my home to travel to those conventions just to vote on incomplete policies that still allow incarceration, a denial of justice, a denial of health services, racism, colonial trauma, and genocide of Indigenous and Black peoples, I have worked to continue to do 
purports to advocate for an attempt to work within these systems meant to harm me and my community. Um, you know, I, I think that's really important to say because, you know, I, I still see people accusing us of not coming to the table, come to the table with solutions all the time. Um, and we're never met halfway. So, you know, I, I just know how many people just don't understand the current status quo allows genocide of my people uh, dying from current drug policies imposed Christian based drug policies, abstinence programming, private health care, and justice systems built on, um, I guess, greed, racism, land theft, and imposed British contract constructs. Um, we still haven't heard if Frank Young of Red Earth Cree Nation of, in so-called Saskatchewan has been found yet. So I think of him and I think of so many others. I hope I honor their lives. Every time I talk about these issues, I see your role in the importance of stopping harm. And as a citizen, I see your role as in reconciliation as well. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders and members have been so kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot and Leonard Kinney taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Satu Dene. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot and Dene elders, language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous. I just share my, my journey as I walk down the red road. I've been accused of not being kind while surviving genocide, yet I have given free book clubs, podcasts, and info on my social media for years, and so have many others. At this point, it is willful to be ignorant on these issues. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for already showing your report. If you will value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com or you can send in your comments or your questions. Also, giving a review helps whichever medium you're listening from. I have a YouTube channel, you can go and subscribe. You can go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. So, as always, I want to thank my previous guests. And if you just missed the one with Latoya, we had discussed the BIPOC Canada Day event that she had organized. Uh, obviously, that just happened June 30th. So I met her auntie and lots of folks in the BIPOC community and some new folks doing the work. So I, um, I want to connect with uh, Gina Ko. Uh, she spoke so eloquently about the issues of racism and has an anti-racism podcast. Um, Tola, she is a poet. And you can find her on a lot of poetry on Insta. All these folks are on Insta. Um, Kay the Chosen, uh, he's a your friendly neighborhood rapper and soulful singer, uh, Jezza, Jezia. So there, I'm going to put their Instagram tags in the description in the hopes that you all get to kind of follow them and hear them as well. And hopefully we can move forward a bit more here with this anti-racism training and Indigenous education that is like the foundation to all of this so-called talk on reconciliation. So I um, also wanted to talk a little bit about the AFN. So for folks who don't know, there's something called the Assembly of First Nations. And 
it, it's really hard to just have a quick conversation about this because at the end of the day, a lot of non-Indigenous don't understand the Indian Act. It is an incredible form of oppression. It has created division where there didn't need to be any, and it has created more patriarchy when it was unnecessary. So you'll hear a lot of um, male chiefs say something so differently than female chiefs. And right today, we have Roseanne Archibald, the first female um, elected chief, um, the national chief, and she's been suspended. So this is really important to discuss for so many reasons. Uh, first of all, a lot of uh, Indigenous don't recognize the Indian Act um, as a form of, of actual governance because it was imposed by Canada. And um, it's not like regular democratic legislation for folks who believe in democracy. So for folks like me who do believe in democracy, obviously that's why I speak out against the Indian Act. Um, and I wish that Canadians quit viewing the Indian Act as a form of democracy because it is not. It is imposed by the Canadian government. It has a very limited scope about what it can and cannot do. And that is like the opposite of what people know about it. So when you hear an elected chief, that means through the Indian Act, and elected is subjective because the um, Indian Act is not any type of form of governance in any capacity. But because Canadians have not been taught this, their ignorance, um, you know, and, and lies about the Indian Act and about Indigenous people perpetuate. So they don't see the Indian Act as a form of oppression, which is ridiculous because if we had a Jew Act, a Black Act, any sort of uh, act like that, they would be horrified. But for the Indian Act, for some reason, everybody's okay with it. So anyway, with this absolutely poor form of governance, you do get elected chiefs and the elected chiefs then choose who is gonna be the national chief. And I don't know how Rose, Roseanne got uh, elected, but she did. I'm so grateful for it because usually patriarchy upholds patriarchy. But of course, now that we see her in a position of power, we are seeing the patriarchy attack her hard. And um, a lot of Canadians just don't see racism. They don't see unconscious bias. They don't see sexism. They don't see the unconscious bias of sexism. So of course they don't understand at all what's happening with her. So her being suspended obviously goes against the awful demographic, um, I guess, governance policies that they have anyway. So it's just a ridiculous clown show happening against Roseanne um, Archibald. And I'll, I'll ask her, hopefully we can get Roseanne Archibald on the, on the podcast because it would be really great for folks to hear firsthand the type of uh, racism, sexism, colonialism that's embedded in the Assembly of First Nations and why it is that she has to fight so hard. But I also, um, obviously Canada Day just happened and uh, just to talk a little bit about what happened here in Calgary, we had a Indian residential school outreach by the city of Calgary on Monday. And off the corner of the desk, there were uh, some activists that are like, we have to have something on Canada Day to be like an anti-Canada Day. Um, and then I couldn't agree more. So last year, 
uh, Tanya Crochu, who is Colton Crochu's auntie, she organized a Canada Day event and we marched through Forest Lawn and it was so hot. It was like 38 degrees, like we everyone was dying of heat. It was ridiculous. Um, so anyway, you know, she was at first thinking she wasn't going to do anything, but um, both Pearl um, and Deb reached out to her and uh, they all kind of agreed to do kind of a combination. And uh, so she, who is she? Let's say, let's, re let's bring that back a bit. Tanya Crochu decided she still wanted to have a march. So we were to assemble in front of City Hall and then we were going to march down 8th Avenue and then come back. And there was a band playing uh, through this downtown core. And um, 8th Avenue is like this historic um, avenue that people have little bars and patios and such on. And for the most part, uh, vehicles don't drive there. So it, it's quite uh, one of those streets a lot of people avoid because during um, holidays and such, they're, they're really shut down. So anyway, she did reach out to the Calgary police. So the two indigenous liaisons that I um, have a relationship with, did they came with us. And those were the only two police that uh, they had resources for. So um, we did the march down 8th Avenue and back. So when we got back, uh, Deb and Pearl had set up a, a tent and we're, we're doing singings and, and speaking. We had Caleb's uh, mom, she spoke and did the opening prayer for us. So that was wonderful. And um, a lot of people spoke about events that are happening and just decolonizing Canada in general. And it was an absolutely lovely event, the march there and back and hearing folks, you know, yell at these Canadians that were like, oh my God, I'm so happy for you and just say, look, there's no pride in genocide, but they're all proudly wearing their red and white. And um, and it, it was uh, really surreal this year because I wore my orange skirt, orange shirt. And as I was walking, I seen many Canadians, uh, folks wearing red and white, just wouldn't even look me in the eye, um, wouldn't acknowledge that I existed at all. So it was a really weird experience. I wish I had a, a go, uh, camera on so that you could see that how folks really ignored it. Um, so anyway, I thought that was really important to talk about because a lot of folks like I, I was really spoken down to on social media. I had um, a reboot. Alberta had posted some crap about how this country was not built on Christianity. And I just thought it was so ridiculous that anybody felt confident um, ignorantly confident enough to be sending that. So I had spoken up on one of my friends, um, non-Indigenous friends page, and right away there was an Indigenous man, he claims to be, um, who, who came and attacked me. And ironically, I saw um, some Liberals give him compassion and not me. And anyway, so I talked about the doctrine of discovery and obviously these folks had never read the TRC as per usual. And it's really disappointing because people still think these things. And of course I'd given the book, uh, the importance of monogamy about, um, you know, nation building here in Alberta, such a great book. I highly recommend it. Anyway, talked a bit about that. Still got spoken down to ignored. And in fact, one time was told I was crazy which is incredible because I just, you know, it, it, it's, 
uh, back to that um, quote, and it was actually James McCulkis had shared, um, you know, how to be an anti-racist. It, it's such a great quote uh, from, from one of our uh, Black community members here who wrote a book about being anti-racist. And it, it's important because for a lot of people, they still don't understand how, you know, they contribute to racism and refuse to do the work of unlearning that racism. So anyway, he had uh, posted that book by Abram X. Uh, Kendi, and it, the book is How to Be Anti-Racist. And this is the quote that he shared, is denial of the heartbeat of racism. When racist policies resound, denial is denial that those policies are racist also follow. Denial is the heartbeat of racism, beating across ideologies, racism, races and nations it is beating within us denial and i think that's the best way to talk about canada day um, if you follow me on social media i shared a um, interview that i was a part of when i talked about the lowercase movement after being lucky enough to have dr linda money guns on our podcast here and um i shared uh, some other printed uh articles that you know i talked about Canada Day being so problematic. Uh, the BIPOC Canada event was reshared uh, some of the quotes and I shared it on my social medias for those who, who know. And you don't have to have an Instagram account in order to watch it because a lot of these are public. But anyway, I thought a really good um, person to amplify because of Canada Day and what is happening is the national chief of uh, Roseanne Archibald. And I just want to read her uh, contemplation on the truth of Canada for July 1st. This year, I'm choosing again not to celebrate Canada Day. Instead, I think it's important to make July 1st a day of reflection for all Canadians. As a First Nation woman, I have always known the truth of this country, what it's built upon, how it's built, and at whose expense. As a First Nation woman in leadership, I also know the impacts of such colonialism, dispossession, and oppression and the serious intergenerational trauma that it, they've caused within all First Nation peoples and the systems we create. Colonialism and misogyny have seeped into every corridor in every building of power, Indigenous and non. And right now we have a great opportunity at the AFN to counter these destructive ways of being and instead hold up our seven sacred teachings of truth, humility, honesty, courage, wisdom, respect, and love. While our collective past has shaped us, we are the ones with the power to either perpetuate or change colonial misogynistic behaviors. I also encourage our allies to be a part of the reflection today. I hope you take time to get out of, into the community, wear orange, and show solidarity, love, and care for what has happened to First Nations peoples in, in Canada. As National Chief, I have a positive vision for the future. I see happy, healthy children living in a safe, vibrant community surrounded by love and care for their families. It's only a vision I believe we all want for our children. This July 1st, I invite you to stand with me and find ways to affect positive change. This is our moment. We can get that positive vision for everyone. And anybody who listens to this podcast knows we're constantly giving those solutions of UNDRIP, 
the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's 94 calls to action, the 231 calls to justice, always come to the table with the solutions for all of this. My hope is that one day Canada will understand the gravity of that, this issue. Anyway, um, today apparently it uh, was another march for reproductive injustice. And um, back in May of 15, I was invited to come and speak about Indigenous reproductive injustice. And um, yeah, it, it ended up being really awful because while it was created by progressives, for progressives, um, yeah, we have, I have white women say, I just don't understand what the relevance of this is. So I had a few others say that my speech was really important and they wanted me to, to say it on the podcast. So I figured that's what I would devote the rest of my time for. So it's only six minutes if you're interested in hearing it. And um, this is the speech that I said on May 15th. So I had done my regular land acknowledgement, as you all have heard it many times on this podcast. And I'll just kind of cut to the where my six minutes were. I said, Masicho um, Adora for the land acknowledgement. Understanding land acknowledgements and their importance is Indigenous 101 because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties and lies taught today nationally in Canadian schools. That's why settlers and those who call themselves native Calgarians show me you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. If you do not understand this, my website and podcast is native Calgarian. I've been accused of not being kind while surviving genocide, yet I've given free book clubs, podcasts, and info on my social media for years. Tone policing is a tactic used against women of color and Indigenous women like me daily in 2022. And they call us radical. I had an election, elected official think orange shirts was support for his party when he seen me wearing one on September 30th. For the RCMP calling what Sutuan land defenders orcs from the Lord of the Rings because of the what Sutuan had on their faces painted, the, the red. This is why Truth and Reconciliation Commission report call to action 57, anti-racism training for Indigenous education for all public servants is so critical to implement. At this point, it is willful, willful to be ignorant on these issues. If you want to debate our truths, you're not listening. I want to say thank you to Nancy for asking me to come here. Hard truths are the words of generations of Indigenous women and Two-Spirit who were silenced too long. Ironically, this whole speech is because settler women's reproductive rights are in jeopardy when Indigenous peoples have always had our rights, lives, and reproductive rights in, just, in jeopardy. We have thousands of unmarked graves around what settlers had the audacity to call schools. The Indian Act, through policy, attacked Indigenous women's identity and segregated Indigenous from non-Indigenous. Indigenous peoples were made ward of the state. The white women's right to vote was on the back of an alleged Métis sex worker right here in Calgary in 1917 named Lizzie Sear. These are examples of how Western economies criminalize Indigenous women, sexual rights, and economic options as a fundamental part of their Christian settler framework. Uh, settler rights and land theft, it's an injustice. 
Today, former patients have a certified billion dollar class action lawsuit for the formal acknowledgement of the government's role in the operation of Indian schools. With practices of experimental treatment, painful and disabling surgeries with chronically understaffed, undertrained, and unlicensed workers. There were multiple reports on this, but we didn't get the mobilization for change like we're seeing for white women's reproductive rights under threat today. Another injustice. Eugenics is a long standing policy in Canada because Indigenous peoples were dehumanized as wards of the state. Settler Canada felt very comfortable disproportionately and involuntarily sterilizing Indigenous peoples. In the act of genocide by Karen Stote, you can read statistics of vasectomies and tubal litigations performed on Indigenous peoples. Roy Erasmus had to advocate for Indigenous peoples from the Northwest Territories to be compensated from sterilization unaddressed by a provincial jurisdiction which Alberta acknowledged in Edmonton at the Charles Camsell Hospital, which Northwest uh, Territory Indigenous peoples were sent. More injustice. I'm just going to break that down a little more for folks. Literally, because they were in the Northwest Territories, they didn't get compensation for what was done to them in Alberta. And this is really important because this is my people. This is the Northwest Territory people. So we're talking Cree, Métis, um, but mainly Dene, my people. So they weren't compensated for the sterilizations that happened. And uh, people don't see that, but that colonialism, that determination of some invisible border is a huge injustice for my people. Barriers, of course, that non-Indigenous would never face. In 1969, birth control became legal in Canada and promoted to Indigenous people by Canada. On January 22, 1973, Roe v. Wade's legal case in which the U.S. Supreme Court ruled 7-2 that unduly restrictive state regulation of, of abortion is unconstitutional. In Canada, we finally ended the legal allowance to sterilize Indigenous peoples, but because of racism that continues throughout society today, our women are still being involuntarily sterilized. Birth alerts still apprehending Indigenous babies at birth, with Indigenous parents having no voice to keep their babies. While colonial institutions do backflips to protect their evil work, and of course that racism and protectionism of the institutions killed Lillian Ashley. More injustice for Indigenous peoples. Today, in a global pandemic, Indigenous peoples still have a lack of clean drinking water, medical access, lack of culturally relevant medical access, lack of support on breastfeeding, birth alerts, and child apprehension, an unaddressed mental health, from colonial trauma without properly without proper culturally appropriate support this is imposed by policy as and an injustice of continued genocide with health as the weapon i personally have been denied narcan i must go without cultural pay to educate doctors pharmacists and human rights advocates on the issue of narcan my rights to narcan and my health rights through treaty as an overdose crisis which even they acknowledge just injustice after injustice. For Indigenous people, self-care is part of how we get our power back, speaking truth about the reality of past 
and current policies meant to eliminate me as healing after generations of being silenced. Self-care is also reclaiming our inherent rights as laid out in the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous Peoples. I personally worked with the late Manmeet Bular to get midwifery funded in Alberta on May 5th, an important day for two reasons. It's the International Day of the Midwife, and now it's the Red Dress Day to honor missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit. Today, there are Indigenous midwives able to do what we did for thousands of years until colonialism. Our inherent rights to reproductive practices, culture, language, and land rights are laid out in the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous Peoples, led by global leaders, including local elder Doreen Spence. If she was white, we would have statues, bridges, schools, and parades, a day of recognition in her honor. And injustice, we don't, in my humble opinion. I can always tell when non-Indigenous lied to me about reading parts of the reports that I named because of the language they openly use. This information today is not new. It's all in their reports, book club, and podcast. Due to the inaction of so-called allies, Indigenous peoples are forced to advocate for our inherent rights under immense socioeconomic barriers. So support bear climb control. They are supporting Indian residential school survivors and the youth apprehended by the child welfare system by racist policy and colonizers on the streets today as the systems purposely fail Indigenous people. Thanks to Cindy Blackstock and the First Nation Health Consortium, uh, they are working to implement Jordan's principle. It's still not enough until settler health care workers and social workers do the work of anti-racism and Indigenous education, like TRC 57. They also have multiple sections of the TRC to implement and multiple parts of the calls to justice to implement as well. I and a group of committed settlers from the book club founded the Langevin Named uh, Change Group that evolved into the Reconciliation Action Group as a way to try to empower those settlers willing to do more. We have a very small membership of active settler volunteers. I've seen a few strong settlers in Maryland North Pagan's campaign doing the work within these harmful colonial political circles so that reconciliation can actually be a possibility with an Indigenous woman at the table. Those few are doing the heavy lifting all Calgarians should be doing for reconciliation. And I respect their work. Unfortunately, the grieving widower, Corey Ashley has been forced to do this work for his wife, Lillian, killed by medical staff in Hannah, Alberta. Please listen to that podcast or watch it on YouTube. So much injustice and no so-called allies marching for Lillian. My recent podcast on chapters one and two of the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls covered in our book club. The next section in chapters three and four in July's book club will directly cover most of the topics of Indian hospitals, sterilization, and more. My podcast and book club have been available as a guide for years now, along with many other Indigenous voices and their book clubs and podcasts and, and authored books. I want you to support Indigenous voices. I want to hear our drums, smell our smudge, only after you hear our truths. At this point, it's willful not to know solutions. You can catch up at nativecalgarian.com to listen, do anti-racism training, 
unpack your settler fragility so that we can honor the true intent of the treaties, equity, and the next generations. Amplifying Indigenous voices, not your own, is the way out of these injustices and part of reconciliation. The elephant in the room, my ancestors, the Satu Dene, invented hockey. You're welcome. So with a toxic male sports complex making billions, it's still not recognized and zero action on the sports calls to action implemented. Rest in peace, my uncle Fred Sasakamus, who died of COVID-19, contracted while going to a funeral, go Flames go. And I did that at the time because at that time we were in the Stanley Cup playoff run. But it was really important to acknowledge that my um, family not properly recognized and because of COVID died and Satchi Dene are never given that credit. And today, and July 3rd, now we know that there's yet another class action lawsuit against the stupid Hockey Canada for their toxic male um, sexual assaults and gang rapes. Um, I knew this growing up. I grew up during the Sheldon Kennedy um, sexual uh, law case against Graham James. So, and Eric Lindros, there's a wonderful book by Laura Robinson named uh, Crossing the Line, highly recommend it. You wanna unpack the male toxicity of history of today and, and the problems that we still see going on there. And of course, this mattered to me too, talking about that, because um, when I ran in 2017, I talked a lot about uh, what was important for Calgary, what was important for Calgary's Northeast. And I talked right, right, right on my campaign's um, sign was, you know, inclusive um, harm reduction. And, and I talked about all of these issues, but it was the stupid uh, saddle dome conversation and all of the rich, rich, rich billionaires of the, of the NHL that took over that conversation. And then four years later in 2021, we've seen the main conversation still would be about the arena. So these folks are taking control of our municipal elections. It's bad for democracy, but we won't address patriarchy, male toxicity, um, colonialism, all of these things. It's all interconnected, yet people don't see it. Anyway, finish off. Um, I, I said this. Lastly, Terry, Taylor McNally and Inclusive Canada, your banners were amazing. They lifted my spirit and helped me feel seen. I love you. And I said that because the famous five, the five women who um, claim to be the reason why white women have the right to vote, what they literally have a huge statue right in the center of Calgary there in front of City Hall. And these are the folks that went after Lizzie Sear, said earlier, the Métis sex worker. That's why you have the right to vote is off the backs of Indigenous women. Anyway, she called out their racism and there were some beautiful pictures taken of their banners that they put out basically showing how all of these famous five were racist and um and awful and problematic in so many other ways eugenics supporters all of these things so um i wanted to give her a shout out at the end because it just was wonderful because i, I go to these white women protests and they don't see it worse they make fun of us so anyway
that was the speech that I had given. I wasn't allowed to be any more than nine minutes. And here I can elaborate a little more and unpack it a bit more. So if you have any questions or my hope is rather than asking me the question that you do a little bit of self-reflection, maybe show up to our book club and learn about these awful injustices that indigenous people have faced in health and reproductive and, um, you know, see that we can't just get over it when genocide was perpetuated upon us and then we're expected to celebrate. And um, you know, I was a bit insulted. I had this wonderful day with this event or a, a wonderful couple hours with this man. And um, at the end of it, he talked about how he really liked um, this, you know, so-and-so speech because, you know, it, at least it had some hope in it. And it's ironic to me that people listen to what folks like myself say, the Uncanada Day protests, and they don't see that there is hope if Canadians would do that work. And um, I'm hoping that one day people will. So anyway, that was my speech. It's up now so that folks, folks who wanted to hear it can, you know, show it and go from there. Uh, so the Indigenous Book Club, uh, July 11th is the chapters three and four of the National Inquiry. August 8th is Unreconciled by Jesse Wente. Uh, September 12th, we're going to do chapters five and six of the National Inquiry. October 10th, Res Rules by Clarence Louie. Uh, National Inquiry on November 14th, uh, chapters seven and eight. And then on December 12th, we're going to do Standoff by Bruce McIver. So I'm hoping that, uh, you know, that that's interesting enough for you. All of the uh, authors have confirmed to come. We were lucky enough to get Jody on our last one. So I hope you consider at least listening to it if you if you missed it. I don't know why people still ask me this question. Um, is it too late to join your book club? No, it's never too late. It's never too late to start your own if the second Monday of every month is just doesn't work in your schedule. Like, please do the work, no matter where you are across Canada, there should be a reconciliation committee somewhere. They should be in your church, it should be in your uh, sports club, it should be at your work. There isn't a single place it shouldn't be. So if you don't see that, then start your own and reach out to us. Because um, the Reconciliation Action Group would love to, you know, help you in any way we can, because we need more Canadians seeing their role in this. Um, I did want to say that A Life in the City of Dirty Water by Clayton Thomas Mueller, that's one of the next ones I'd like to do, probably February, and then maybe in April, The True and the True Spirit and Original Intent of Treaty 7 by Treaty 7 and Tribal Council. So, you know, we're already talking about 2023 books clubs, and, you know, I usually get a book and that becomes one of my book clubs, so... <laughs> You know that that's how you have to do it that's how you have to do it anyway i'm proud that this podcast has given solutions and cultural safety training and cultural first aid and all of them to create a safer space for indigenous people people of color those with disabilities and lgbtq2 plus to speak i want to say thank you to cheryl ward chelsea branch and alicia fritkin of here to help.bc.ca about what is cultural safety and why I should care about it. Their work in cultural action tools, I've said over a hundred times in my podcast, so please support Indigenous work like that as part of your reconciliation work and settler understanding. I'm just lucky enough to highlight and repeat it here. 
internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence indigenous and marginalized folks experience by the structure of racism imposed on these lands. And you can go to racialequitytools.org. What is internal racism by Donna Bevins if you're really interested in learning more. I'm just really trying to figure out how to talk to you all about what we're seeing with the support of Pierre Polvier, but it, it's hard to discuss that if you don't understand the Indian Act. So maybe um, Indigenomics, try reading that book, folks, so that you start to understand the barriers that the Indian Act creates and how it pits Indigenous people against Indigenous people. Anyway, do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by American Friends Service, a service committee. So AFSC.org, they have do's and don'ts by standard intervention. And if you see or experience racism in Alberta, you can report it to actaendracism.ca or you can text at 587-507-3838. Indigenous have been talking about our issues in reports, commissions and public hearings just so it can be regularly disregarded by non-Indigenous people, no more honor our words, honor the treaties, listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. They don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus. If they are cutting violence prevention programs and services, indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disabilities, know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people demand that they implement Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform and violence prevention, and 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit. Denying these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational justice and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing, demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism, they literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties, local politicians, community organizations, sports clubs, etc. Um, you know, just Google it, you'll see lots of articles. If you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we talked about today and want to talk, Call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 855-242-3310. It's toll free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also um, go onto their website at hopeforwellness.ca and they have a small little text box. If more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, you can also call 844-413-6649. Uh, for non-Indigenous, you can call the distress center line in your area. Usually there's a functioning 211, or you can call 833 456 4566. If you're a 60 scoop Indigenous person in Alberta, you can go to ssisa.ca. And if again, if you're experiencing racism in Alberta, act to end racism or text at 857 507 3838. The following are two-spirit, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer supports for folks in crisis. And you can go to lifevoice.ca and actually get a lot of these. And Trans Lifeline is 
6366 and the Trevor Project for Indigenous or for LGBTQ plus youth is 1-866-844-7386. I have this really great quote. This government's failure to properly respond to the crisis is costing lives, costing taxpayers, and using already scarce resources in our overburdened ambulance and hospital systems. So if you know somebody using substances, it's important you do not use alone. If you are using alone, you can contact the National Overdose Response Service at 1-888-688-NORS for supports or download the BRAVE or DORS app in order to use alone. And I got that source from the Edmonton Journal who had put together the 115 drug poisonings that happened in April in Alberta alone. So violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. This is self-care and how I take my power back. That's why I started the podcast to speak freely without interruption, without tone policing, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous voices. Sure want to tell us theirs by people who know nothing about us about colonialism, about the constant surveillance of our people, our protests, our vigil, and our rights. I and many others share info on microaggressions daily, so it's unacceptable to say them anymore. Learn about being trauma-informed. Folks like me are dealing with internalized racism, gatekeeping, and folks who survive off the status quo, folks who are still in their trauma, and attack folks trying to do this work. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for me and other Indigenous peoples, folks with disabilities, and QT BIPOC. Um, I want to say Masicho to my ancestors, to my granny and my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt, my stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family, and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. It is through her, I'm a second generation. Uh, and thank you to my husband, Darcy, big buffalo rock man. And it, you say it how it's spelled. So, Mr. Pasta, Pasta, Wamistus, Asini, Askino, sorry, Cree, or whoever named my husband, for producing and editing the show on top of being my um, husband, my childhood friend, father of our child, and support down my red road of you know, he's witnessed the racism and the sexism and has been doing the unlearning. And to our child, Thunderpipe Necklace Woman, Nana, oh my goodness, Blackfoot are gonna kill me. Nana Misk Okin Aki, Thunderpipe Necklace Woman. We are learned, we are, we are so <laughs> blessed to learn from you daily and i am so honored you chose us and i promise to get your name right um you give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person my hope is my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of us trying to discuss these present day issues in a way that they can understand down the road um and i should say that it, it was the late daryl brass who named my husband and uh it was rose crochu who named my daughter and Rose Crochu and Reg Crochu just were given the Order of Canada. So very proud. And I couldn't be prouder that Mary Simon, our first Nuck, was the one to do it because 
that was a failed policy I put forward with the Liberal Party that we're seeing being invoked anyway. So that made me happy. And at this time next week, I actually will be in Ottawa or stuck in an airport, one or the other. And I hope to have some better news about some of the things I learned in Ottawa that has happened. It's really hard being in Alberta um, because you don't get to hear a lot of the truth and there's so much intergenerational hate. I was actually joking with a friend at my barbecue or at his barbecue that, um, you know, you have all these Trudeau haters and they have these like Trudeau bumper stickers and stuff right beside a Canadian flag, the very flag that the liberals and his dad, a Trudeau brought to all these Albertans. So it's just so weird and ironic being in this world right now. And people can't understand why I just don't march to the beat of their drum. Anyway, um, I want to say thank you again to my previous donors for showing your support. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you to those who cannot afford to give. I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com. Send in your comments or your questions. I also have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. And I want to end by giving side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not your dish. My beautiful cousin would respond, or you'd be in my dish. Thank you so much for listening.